It's January 29th, 2022, and welcome to episode 67 of the Baby Metal Podcast. We gather in podcast Discord server on alternate weeks to discuss news and thoughts on the past and future projects of Baby Metal. We invite you to join us, whether you are a longtime fan or have only just arrived. I am Maggie, and I am joined by Kevin. Paul, you sound a little bit different this week. And Paul. (laughs) Hello. <laughs> right. Your attempts are are noted. <laughs> yes. Uh, Even though they were. So, uh, happy new year everybody. Yep, thank has you. It happy really, new is year this really the, Even the Oh my god, is this the first one it of 2020? Oh my lord. It is. It's almost it is the first one. Yes. Yeah, it's it's oh, my the Lanta. first one and it's almost February. Yeah. Oh my Lance. Oh my Lance. <laughs> Um, and also, I also got to thinking today, it's been two years since Legend Metal Galaxy. Mm. To the day? So, to the day. Holy crap. I believe, yeah. Yeah. It was the last weekend of uh, of January. Yeah. 2019. Or no, 2020. Yeah. And then the Fire Nation attacked. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah. It's it's the first, first recording of 2022. We're here. We're ready. We've got news. Yeah. We actually have news. Such as it is. Um, such as it is. Um, so the last time that we recorded was right before Sue's birthday, I do believe. Mm-hmm. So that checks out. Uh, I guess we can kind of, yeah, I guess we could kind of start from there. So, yeah, Sue's birthday happened. Woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> one more lap. <laughs> yeah. One more lap around the sun. Yeah. Although, uh, as far as the actual posting of the traditional yearly birthday photo, um, because of lore, we saw beautiful stairs, beautiful stairs that are aging just wonderfully mm-hmm. for tw- what is she 24 now, 23, 24. I think she's 24. It was the photo that they used the one where it was essentially like the stairs with like Moa photoshopped out. <laughs> I mean, like you could see her curls or something like that in the, in the oh. removal. There, there, I didn't even there are some that. like hair curls in this in this image. If you like zoom in, you can see that it was like oh really poor, oh, poorly really? removed. <laughs> oh dang! Not I, that poorly. I didn't notice. I didn't notice either. I'll see if I can. I, well, hang it. on. Pause the broadcast while I zoom in and pixel peep this image. <laughs> yeah, I know. I had no. I, I mean, I know that people were talking about like in relation to New Year's about. Oh my stuff. God, you're right. Oh, really? Oh, well, shoot fire. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, they... So uh, very low Do budget. they not have a template? <laughs> do they not have a digital template of these things? Oh, my goodness. Like, you have to layer these things. Like, oh, oh, I'm... Yeah, that's su- what's really surprising. Like, why didn't they just turn the layer off in Photoshop? <laughs> because clearly it's a composite. Yeah. <laughs> right. Wow, that's... I don't know, a little unprofessional, I think, but I don't know. on brand, <laughs> a little bit maybe. <laughs> you know what it is? Uh. I'm looking at this more. Yeah, I bet I know what happened here. Huh, having okay. had millions of hours in Photoshop over the years, uh-huh. um, so they, it's a composite, right? They're obviously not on this weird staircase mm-hmm. thing. There's many layers going on, and what we're seeing is an artifact of a filter or a blending mode on a different layer that adds. <gasps> something so oh. they turned off the main layer that is them right but didn't turn off a blending mode mm-hmm. 
that is oh. attached to like a mask or something yes, else yes. on a different layer and they just didn't catch it. Oh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. That does make sense. I have a little bit of Photoshop knowledge, so that does make sense. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah. now we know. That's, that's I know what that looks like battle. to me. <laughs> yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah, that does make sense. There is a little bit of a curl there. Mm -hmm. And I think if you compare it to like one of the ones where they're in it, you can see actually the hair that it is. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's funny. It's probably a hair mask is what it was. (laughs) You say hair mask and the only thing I think of is that goop stuff that they use in the shower. It's like not, not, um, it's not, uh, oh gosh, what is it, conditioner? But it's like something along the lines of conditioner you're supposed to put in your, they call it a hair mask. It's supposed to be all like great and stuff for your hair. That's above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of it. I've not used it, so I don't know. But apparently it's supposed to be good for you. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> um. So yeah, so that happened. So Sue's birthday posted picture of staircase people losing their minds because sue's not actually on there to each their own uh and so then continues on to the new year and as always they usually post some kind of new year's picture whether it's of the girls or of some random object and once again because of lore stories and stuff we get pictures of stairs (laughs) but the light is brighter new year but the light is brighter well, hang on. I have to pixel peep this one now too. Yeah. I, this one actually, I, I thought that I thought that maybe it was zoomed in a little bit, but I don't think it is. It's it's identical except that no. the light in the middle is is uh, brighter. Brighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the lens flare is brighter, but the hair artifact is gone. Oh. <laughs> they might have realized what they've done. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't see any uh, layering mistakes on this All right. one. Mm-hmm. But the matter of fact that the light is getting brighter at the top. Means this is a there's a light at the end of the tunnel, y'all. Hopefully, maybe we'll see. I mean, probably. Yep. Probably. I think maybe. as as you're going to teach us, there is more than meets the eye with this group. Yes, truth, truth, true in that so. regard. Yeah. So that was the, and people come, you know, compared the two pictures and they're like, oh, hey, the light's brighter and stuff. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Uh, hopefully, maybe like later on, maybe they'll do like a countdown or something and have the lights get brighter up at the stairs. I think that would be neat. That would be on brand to countdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always a countdown. There's always mm-hmm. a countdown. Um, so yeah, so we got two pictures, no no girls, just stairs and brightness and pretty gold and stuff to be on brand with the whole they're being closed off with lore and stuff. But then we got some unexpected um stuff going on with uh advertising, actually. Um <laughs> you guys, one of you guys want to talk about it? Yeah, that was pretty weird. The reason I think we know about this is because, oh, actually, I think Baby Metal Official retweeted it. Yeah, yeah. they retweeted yeah. it. Yeah, but it was um, uh, it's a it's a uh, sort of like a transfer storage company called WeTransfer. It's uh, I th- I think of it as being a little bit like you know Dropbox. <laughs> essentially you know it it's it's specialized for transferring large files and uh commenting on it and has certain workflow bits to it that let you you know kind of like send things for approval look for revisions that kind of stuff and you know so what their their ad campaign was basically about uh sort of like running through a project like making an album cover um and so they you know that's that's what they did. Is uh, Baby Metal was actually sort of the the example group where they they like sent off art and they picked out characters and they had uh, a request for you know like 
uh, you know, they sent it back to like the Cobra role who said, let's try putting on a hat on the, <laughs> on the character. And then they, you know, did some yeah. further revisions and then, uh, and then someone had the album in a, in a record store. Um, and so mm-hmm. as, as far as I understand it, although it wasn't super clear initially, I, we transfer is not, a, not a creative company. You know, this is, they were facilitating, uh, c- communications between someone who wanted something from a creative and the creative getting it, giving it back to them. But they were, they're only the sort of like the intermediate file transfer part. Oh, see, I misunderstood Correct. that. Oh, okay. I thought they were the ones who actually did like the art and the, I misunderstood. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, so I used the similar service. When mm-hmm. I was still doing photography as a job mm-hmm. and doing wedding videos and things like that, uploading drafts for approval. Mm. Yeah. Like Paul said, all they do is facilitate the communication and allow you to store and host content for review. Mm. Okay. But it is, it is, of course, the interesting thing for us is that, uh, you know, they they make this appear as if this is an actual thing that happens, you know. So there's a, mm-hmm. the... the a cover has actually been designed and approved and is due on February seventh yep. <laughs> at five thirty p.m. That's right at five thirty p.m. So who knows? Maybe there's something happening on February seventh. Yeah. Well, the the weird thing about it was is that they had three videos initially: the one about the cover, the one about um, I can't remember the second one. It was like um, you know, transfer of of different portions of of the art and then the third one was about due dates um the due dates one was unlisted and the only way that you can spicy yeah well because i was trying to find it earlier because i was like wasn't trying to figure out how many videos are worse and i thought there was three and then i kept searching and kept searching through their twitter through their youtube and i was like okay i can't find this third one because i knew about the february 7th date so I had to go through my Twitter because that's how I found out about the the due dates one. And yeah, I clicked on the link through somebody else, uh, a Japanese fan. And yeah, it, it listed the that that specific video as unlisted, which means that the only way that you can actually get access to it on YouTube is if you know the link for it. Mm-hmm. So um, but yeah, because it was posted at some point in time for it. And then all of a sudden it just kind of disappeared. I'm like, hmm, seems a little, little strange. Although I will make note of this, that February 7th is a Monday and that's kind of like weird. <laughs> so I don't know if that's like a real thing or not, but it's still weird that it's unlisted. Like that specific thing is unlisted, especially with it being something that deals with the, the thing that they're advertising for. It just was an odd choice so i don't know what to think about it if something happens on the seventh something happens on the seventh if it doesn't hey whatever you know it is what it is but i just like i said i still kind of find it a little odd that they would unlist something so specific (laughs) yeah i'm definitely more of the the simplest answer is probably the correct answer and for me the simplest answer is that video just wasn't supposed to go live yet and whoever's in charge of the YouTube channel messed up. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Uh, although, I mean... The, yeah, that could be a possibility, yeah. I, I think it it may also be that, you know, not everybody communicated about, like, what the details are were of this um, right. ad campaign. I mean, it's always possible that this is just, like, you know, Tim from marketing's idea. <laughs> and Tim happens to, you know, like, like the band, and so they asked for permission. But it could also be that this really is going to be a special edition cover for something. Mm-hmm. 
it seems actually kind of likely that it is, you know, because why yeah, would you bother I think so too. <laughs> making, making this right. up? Well, I mean, to go back to, well, actually, I guess we haven't talked about it on the podcast because we haven't recorded in 700 <laughs> years. Um, you know, Cobra has been in the media recently talking about alternative re- revenue streams for music groups and bands um, in the midst of the pandemic and not being able to do what they usually do. Uh, and this kind of aligns from an alternative revenue stream point of view as a way to make money without milking the fan base while you're not performing. Oh, right. Oh, because of the payment for the, for the rights to the music. Yeah. Cause they got to, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. This company has enough. to buy the licensing, work with the, work with the group. And I'm sure the Koba and team baby metal have final sign off on how they use the brand, the image, the logo, all that stuff. So they're, they're making money off this. Oh, true. Yeah. Plus the rights to the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause they have to pay a one-time fee for that sort of stuff. Yeah, although I think I would say that this is kind of mutually beneficial. Um, you know, like I think I, oh, yeah. I think that uh, both ends get something out of this. This and mm-hmm. it's and it and it doesn't actually go too far beyond. You know, it's not it's not like advertising. You know, whatever like dish soap or something. I mean, it's 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 sort of like sensible. Um, so yeah, something that even if if it really is the case that maybe Team Baby Metal have used their product or whatever at the same time or maybe it's because they used their product yeah i think it is quite possible it's certainly possible because we know that from interviews with like collaborating musicians that there's a lot of back and forth of drafts um and so Mm -hmm. this would be a sensible way that they could have been doing that Mm -hmm. right and anybody outside of japan isn't going to take a fax from koba <laughs> yeah, the facts so facts over a list of numbers that you have to type in to make your MP3. <laughs> oh my lands. But yeah, the the uh, interview that you're talking about is in um it's in a kind of a weird place. It's uh it's in um IT media. Uh so it's a multi mm-hmm. multi-part um interview with with uh Kobo Metal, but it's basically, you know, it's basically sort of talking about a lot of different things, but but um, part of the stuff that uh, you know what has happened in the in the uh, during that time that it's not possible to do live shows and what other what what this might change in the future landscape and it's because it's in the IT media um, outlet you know it's it suggests it suggests that it's you know targeted at an audience that's interested in stuff like streaming and other virtual mm-hmm. experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, in the in the um, chat, Funny Toss has promised that it will be translated um so thank you for that um uh, i i managed to to kind of like squint through google translate enough to get an idea but it will be uh, interesting to hear to you know read it a little bit more well translated <laughs> toss a pizza to your funny yes Nobody <laughs> yeah i know i just it took yeah, me a minute to, <laughs> i could replay that a couple times in my head to yeah. what, what. <laughs> sorry <laughs> anyway so cool. So February seventh, if there's going to be a countdown, maybe it'll start soon. Yeah, possibly. And I mean, even even then, I mean, just as a side note, if if nothing happens, even on the seventh, sooner or later, the the one uh, membership should be opening up at some point. So yeah, it's not like we're not going to have something soon. Yeah, I went back and looked uh, over the past few years, and I think what I determined was that it's uh we get the email from the one um somewhere around february 24th plus or minus a day uh in all the in all the recent years so so there's still probably you know a month 
uh, before we hear from them. But I would expect yeah. that we would hear something at that point. Um, mm-hmm. there's not, I mean, like, who knows what's going to happen? It, I would, I would think if they, if they seriously are not going to do any, you know, sort of like stuff, um, then it seems like one possibility might be that they would just extend existing the one memberships rather than, rather than try to do a new thing with nothing to promise. Um, but I assume mm-hmm. they're probably trying to come up with something to promise. Right. Got to make them dollar dues. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause I mean, Let's see. What did what did what did we have in the twenty twenty one to twenty two? Uh, maybe well, many ten baby middle years things. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, because all those came out at the end of last year. That's right. I forgot. And I, I actually, they're probably not incurring much in by way of expenses at this point. So I mean, like it's not it's not like they're um, bleeding money. Yeah, it's not like they're losing. I mean, they're losing money. In the sense of they're not gaining it per se, but they're not like what they have now. They're not losing it. Yeah. Um. So what's the thing about the Songs of Tokyo for this year? Because that was something new I've not seen. Yeah, that that was that actually as we're recording that just showed up today. But um, it's uh, NHK International, I guess. Um, did the, they have this like Songs of Tokyo series and the um. Uh, they, just today, I think they posted uh, 2020, or maybe it's within the last couple of days, but 2022 J-pop music the world wants to hear. Uh, and it's it's actually, it's targeted for international audiences, so it is subtitled in English and often is actually in English. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's, it sort of just goes through a bunch of, a bunch of you know, people who are known internationally or might become known internationally or, you know, are of some interest. They, they sort of talked to you know, they, they, I think they had some, you know, a few representative international people, you know, there on the stage. And, uh, then they solicited comments from, uh, people sort of out wider, you know, suggesting bands to listen to or whatever. And, uh, the, Baby Metal's participation in it was really just like, they're, I think they're pretty much like the first one that appears, uh, in the, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a, like a little segment where they are mentioned, but I mean, many, many, many groups are mentioned so it's not uh, it's not very significant it was just you know recent right well they also performed at the 2021 songs of tokyo didn't they yeah the, so the, 2020 i mean this is, it's essentially like a show uh like uh, what i mean is it's it's like a series um so there was there was uh, a music show that they that where they brought in a bunch of bands and and played and had people you know watching on video screens and stuff like that but um this wasn't that this was just like you know one episode of something you know that they were you know it's sort of like a year wrap up or or year look ahead i guess oh okay so it was it wasn't a performance right well i know that they weren't performing i just say that i thought they did perform on songs of tokyo like they did like one or two songs last year i thought yep yeah okay i was okay i was right okay cool so onward uh the other somewhat notable thing i guess <laughs> is that there was a lucky bag for sale <laughs> so did so did, who among us no. no 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 i have enough as it is no you want to I mean, describe not it? a bad th- was not a bad thing for for new fans mm-hmm. uh, particularly Kevin, new fans wanna, in japan yeah. uh i guess it came with one of those um uh, what do they call those? Is the, oh, the like delivery, the bags. delivery bag? Yeah. The pe- the big big delivery bag, and it had some like merch 
inside of it that equaled out to be like a certain amount, but it ended up being like you paid like, what was it? 22 K yen for it. And like the worth of what was inside that bag was more than that, I guess, but it didn't include any kind of like CDs or DVDs or anything like that from what I understood. So yeah. And it's a good starter set. (laughs) I think so. It was, I think it was primarily clothing. Um, uh, you know, like I think you ordered it by size. You said like I want the, you know, large lucky bag or whatever. But you know, mm-hmm. presumably it's just a way to clear out their old stock. Um, That's usually how it works. And you know, I mean, the cynical or the uh, pessimistic view of that is, you know, clear out all the old stock before they shut down. <laughs> but yeah, wow. But that is pretty pessimistic. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I. I mean, like I said, I think it's a, it's it's okay. I don't know. I I have a more optimistic viewpoint on it as far as how how things will go. Of course, none of us are going to know, but I I do think that Baby Mel is still going to be sticking around for a bit. <laughs> so, depending on the depending on the uh, you know the amount of members that are in there, of course. Which uh, my thought process is, it's still going to be two, but. It is what it is. Yeah, uh, I guess the thing about yeah. the monkey bag that that uh, made it made it seem like it's hard, a little hard to, well, justify that is that you know like essentially if there's stuff in there that I don't have, it's because I didn't want it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so fair yeah, enough. that's fair. But I don't have or, the pizza delivery yeah. bag. But uh, I think that's probably no, okay. I, I also don't have the tent or the wagon. Yeah. It's funny enough, you know, like I've seen. The, the wagon, I, the, I, I had never seen that style of wagon before. They had, you know, sort of like, you know, had this as a merch right. item. And now I see them everywhere. So they must have been everywhere. It's just I didn't know to notice them. <laughs> yeah. No, those, I I have some neighbors that have, have those things that they, they carry their groceries and stuff in it. And it's all foldable and collapsible. And mm-hmm. it's really handy. They're heavy duty. They last a while. It's, so, yeah. I mean, it was a Coleman collaboration, and they're one of the biggest outdoors camping product line manufacturers on the planet. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I guess yeah. I just, I, I now realize I spent most of my recent life not paying attention to wagons. <laughs> <laughs> well, shoot, you've been missing out, Paul. Right. <laughs> wagons are love. Harder. Wagons are love. Wagons are life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Moving on. Anyway. Moving on. It's possible that's that's enough of the news. <laughs> but it's still, you know, yeah. it's not happened for for this time of nothing. Yeah, I mean, true. It's, well, I mean, we weren't really expecting the ad thing, so that was kind of way off left field. Yeah. So, but it was something to get excited about. That was great. Uh, something to more speculations and cool stuff and getting the gears going again and hoping and keeping our fingers crossed for the future. Mm-hmm. That's all we can that's all we can ask for especially nowadays. So, all right. So, the reason behind me talking way more than I normally do. Um, so today for our little topic, um, we're going to be talking costumes, y'all. Woohoo. Woohoo. Um, kind of been something that's been in the works actually since Well, since I first joined, everyone's like, she's got to do something about costumes at some point in time. And so we figured this would be a good point. Um, 
to do that. So since you're hosting, I'm going to throw a wrench right in your way and make you think on your feet. What is the difference between a costume and an article of clothing? Um, costumes are, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a brain exercise, get yeah, going. Yes. Well, I mean, that's actually a good, really good start. Um, but that, I mean, that kind of leads into everything, really. So the difference between a costume, or at least, okay, in, in, in my perspective, because, well, first of all, let's, can we, can we derail that for just a second? <laughs> okay, derail to the derailment. De- just, just derail the derailment (laughs) which is no it's perfect no this is perfect um so minor disclaimer firstly i do cosplay uh i've been cosplaying for a hot minute does not necessarily mean that i am the most perfect person at it so bear that in mind okay uh secondly uh, i only have one actual professional uh costuming credit to my name and i know a decent amount about costuming and things to be able to do this so <laughs> i just want to put that disclaimer out there that i'm you know i'm trying my best here <laughs> considering okay. i buy clothes on amazon i think you are way more qualified to talk about this than <laughs> yeah, I am. yeah exactly okay. among the three of us fair you enough. are a miles ahead <laughs> <laughs> fair enough i have a sewing machine at home so i know how to use it and i know how to do fancy things with it although i would make a, a professional costumer cry with some of the ways that i've done stuff um <laughs> Um, part of the reason why we're also doing this is, um, a good friend of the podcast, uh, Professor AJ Hartley, uh, asked me to participate in a costume video, um, along with him and a, uh, professor of, associate professor of costuming at the University of North Carolina, Ali Amade, I believe is how you say her last name. Uh, super, super cool lady. Um, very, very just in-depth information about even Japanese costuming. Like she, she knew a lot. I learned a lot from just doing that, that video. Um, so there is a two parter that'll be up and posted and you'll actually get to see me and my face. (laughs) Yeehaw. Um, (laughs) yeehaw. Yeehaw. And, uh, I don't know. I felt a little awkward. Like I wasn't sure what I needed to do, but it went well. Uh, like I said, I learned a lot. Uh, and we kind of went from for the history of the baby metal outfits from beginning to end kind of and pinpointed a few things between here and there. So now that that's been all said and done to go back to what the question was, Kevin proposed there, um, the difference between a what's a costume and everyday clothing, I assume, um, yeah. is kind of the way that I want to present uh, the the costuming thing today is so to answer the question or at least in my perspective everyday clothing is 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 just a representation of, of you and how you want to wear things and it's supposed to keep you warm or comfortable and keep you clothed and you know it it's it does represent you in a manner of speaking. Whereas a costume, a costume is, it's supposed to tell a story. It's supposed to, um, you know, get a feeling from it. And, you know, it's supposed to represent whatever is going on in, uh, for what it's being used for. So, I mean, if you really want to get all philosophical, sometimes your everyday clothes can do, te- te- technically be 
<laughs> could technically be a costume if you really want to look at it that way. Um, but for the most part, yeah. Could it could it be that uh, a costume is basically representing something that you aren't actually? I mean, like it it seems to me like when I think of that word, it uh, it's mm-hmm. it's obscuring something, right? I mean, like it's projecting something that isn't that isn't actually you. I mean, yeah, they could be seen that way too. Really, I mean, yeah, no, you're you're right on that too. Actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> So that might be sort of different from an outfit. You know, like a, an outfit is sort of like trying uh-huh. to display, you, you know, your own identity, whereas the the costume is trying to display it's something that you wanted to display, but wasn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily represent yourself. That's a better way of saying it in a very short, short amount of time. Thank you. <laughs> you have saved me on that one. <laughs> well, I, I, I only thought of it based on uh, what you were saying. So, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you can tr- at least translate what I'm like. You get what I'm trying to say and you put it in much better words than I do. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I know. No, you're right on that. Actually, you're very, very correct on that. So yeah, so uh, costumes, as Paul said, are a way of projecting something that, well, is supposed to be a, a cover, supposed to you know tell a story, uh, garner a feeling, uh, also mask what you as a person are in regards to what it is that you're giving out i guess so costumes are more than just a purdy thing to put on to be like oh hey i'm portraying this person this is great or um you know oh i want to look cool you know it's costuming is way more than way more than that there is basically with any kind of art there's always something kind of hidden in behind the finished product um, as far as, you know, the type of, you know, materials it's were used, um, how the materials were used, um, how the product in and of itself came out, um, and also how the product will function in everyday life. I will tell you as far as it being a costumer, or I should say a cosplayer is concerned, um, I will say that a lot of the costumes that I've made over the years, not functional for daily wear, Mm -hmm. not in the least bit. Whereas there are some people that will take the time and effort to make something functional in public. Um, But I just used to do it just for, okay, I know I'm only going to be wearing this for a short amount of period of time. I don't have to do certain things this way. It's quick, easy, and done. But, uh, for obviously baby metal, you have to kind of keep that all stuff in mind. So yeah, that's, I was thinking. I was thinking about that as you were talking about that earlier. That like the the things that you when you were constructing the things that were that were you know meant to sort of imitate what baby metal were wearing. Years you didn't have to like dance around on stage with it. <laughs> you know, no. Um, you, you had like a day at the at the concert, and then that was it. So so it is mm-hmm, it's, for the most part. It is interesting that there are different considerations. Like, I mean, probably still considerations of weight and heat and stuff like that are still somewhat yeah. relevant, but maybe less relevant to the uh, the one day only version. Right, exactly. Whereas, like mine, I do kind of want to make it last because I would like to wear my stuff to multiple concerts mm. and stuff, but it's not as necessary to keep quote professional <laughs> in in that regard. Um, but just something to wear. Like I, I made the um, outfit from the 2017 tour 
which had, you know, it was the one that was all black and had the silver bits and pieces and the gem, the triangle gems in the front of it. Um, and still had the big tutu. But for the most part, that whole entire outfit was black. <laughs> it was black. Um, and I wore that to uh, the last showing of uh, Rock on the Range in 2018. And you have no idea how many people came up to me and was like, are you burning up in that? Are you are you hot? Are you not sweating? To like, I'm just like, actually, no, I'm fine. Because of the type of materials that were used to construct the garment. It's just one of those things you have to keep in mind. There's, so it just it kind of proves the point that you know it's not just putting stuff together. There's other things that you have to take into consideration. So, I kind of want to go ahead and go through the different outfits, n- not necessarily in order, but like because obviously I don't work for Muse, I don't work for Baby Metal. Shame. Um, so I have to make we have to kind of make assumptions on some things. By mm-hmm. being, like I said, being as a as as somebody who's done costuming and stuff before, uh, I kind of have some ideas of where they were trying to go with certain stuff. I, I what I had went and did was I kind of split it up with with baby metal as far as their costuming is concerned. They did have uh, three, we'll call them eras, just to be um baby metal like. <laughs> we'll call them eras. Um, there, so obviously they started in 2010. So like 2010 to 2013, that was kind of their early development and how, and about they wanted to take baby metal in and of itself, because it was still technically still part of Sakura Gakuin. So they wanted to do something with this, but didn't know what. So that was their like early development time. Um, in 2014 to 2017, they were more set in their ways on how they wanted to present themselves, uh, their their story they were presenting. And then, of course, most of us know at this point in time from 2018 to current, um, they're more uh, adult, uh, mature, I should say, not adult, but more mature uh, take on their on their costumes. Um, so starting with the 2010 to 2013 um, costumes, and when did okay? Now I'm not as big a fan of Sakura Gakuin as you two are. When did Sue graduate? 2012. Yeah, well, in 2012. I think it was like March 2013. It was it was the 2012 year. Yeah, it, it's like sports in school years. The 2012-2013 season. Yeah, <laughs> I gotcha. And and actually, she was uh, a yeah. she was alone um, in graduating that year too, which is mm-hmm. unusual. Well, so like the yearbook has just just her on the cover oh, i have a sign she gets one. a book all to herself nice do you really it's the only it's the only uh book i don't have mm-hmm. because i cannot find a sign yeah one. uh <laughs> yeah it took a lot of looking uh, yeah, i have i have an alert uh-huh. if one ever pops up oh so oh. if you're listening to this and you're looking to get rid <laughs> of a 2012 nendo signed book find me on twitter <laughs> So back on track on this for their early development, obviously they were still part of Sakura Gakuin. So they had, they were taking this concept of, okay, Hey, we're trying to do this cute metal thing. How are we going to portray it? Well, you have to, like I said, you have to consider multiple different things. Of course, these girls were still in school, so it was all still being very cutesy and stuff. So, the kind of design, the design 
thing they were going for, which is obviously, and a lot of us probably know that it's really popular in Japan, is the uh, Gothic Lolita schoolgirl look. They had the frills, they had the plaid, they had black, they had red, and that was like the standard, you know, trying to be all like, hey, we're school kids and we just learned that metal exists and this is great, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, so it seems like at the, at the very outset, um, like when you're looking at it, you can, you can sort of tell that um, Doki Doki Morning and Ine both uh, were made basically at the same time, you know, they, they're wearing basically the same thing. So that, that costuming is quite a bit different, I think, from uh, what ended up happening later. And it really, it, well, okay, so it really looks like essentially they just like raided mom's closet, you know, <laughs> and we're just <laughs> essentially mm-hmm. just trying to use whatever was around to get a kind of like a, you know, a, a dark look that looked sort of like what they perceive, you know, metal to look like. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, and this was the very beginning of their time, like Sakura Gakuma was just getting started and they didn't really even like they had their set kind of ideas and things, but still wasn't a whole lot. They were probably like they were still even with Sakura Gakuma and they're probably still trying to play with ideas and stuff, too. So they had to they were taking the ideas with Sakura Gakuma in mind to do this club thing that. Well, they weren't sure what they were going to do with necessarily. <laughs> yeah, I think we figured. I think we discovered at some point that um, Babe Metal and Mini Party, and I think well, maybe it was just those two. It did kind of exist a little bit before Sakura Gakuin actually formulated, but um, you know, I think it was all sort of around that same time. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, I think so. Uh, the way I read this, I, I particularly see this in the Doki Doki Morning video. It was sort of like obvious once I noticed it. Is that it really does seem like what we're seeing is essentially what they see in their head, uh, like what they're doing, like they're performing metal and you've got the, like the, you know, backing band with the skeletons and stuff like that when, you know, that's what mm-hmm. they, that's what they're seeing internally. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. what they're actually doing is just bopping around in the bedroom, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, you know, so, so it sort of cuts between those, like what, you know, their internal vision and then what they're, what they're actually doing. And, you know, I, I think I've always sort of thought that was kind of like the concept, you know, it's sort of like make mm-hmm. manifest what, what people you know of this age uh, believe they're doing when they're doing this <laughs> you know mm-hmm. but um mm-hmm. the other thing about the costumes though is that it really looks to me like they they had an idea at the beginning that this this you know that they would sort of differentiate each other um with specific things like so Moa's the one with a tie and and you know that would be consistent and then you know you is the one with a brooch and they're not they're not dressed the same they're they're because it's really just taking whatever's available. Um, so, mm-hmm. so they much, you know, as the costumes developed, um, Yui and Moa wound up being much more similar. I mean, like down to, it was basically just gloves that, that differentiated them later. Um, whereas mm-hmm. here they're much more distinct. They, they kind of look the same from a distance, but they're, but they're, um, uh, you know, everything, is, all, all the sort of details are different. Um, mm-hmm. And, I suspected that that was going to be, you know, they were at least at that point thinking that was going to be the thing, you know, Moa was going to be the one with the tie, <laughs> but then they kind of shifted direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that tie was always really cute too, because um, if you've seen close up pictures of it, it has the little like skulls on it mm-hmm. and it's super cute. <laughs> it's like, I kind of want one. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually seen a close up of that tie. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it has like little skulls on it. Yeah, there's a there's a fable 
which I, I mean, I think it's a fable. <laughs> I, I, I sort of prejudged <laughs> it by calling it that, that, that essentially they're addressed by just by actually raiding, you know, some staff members closet. Um, but I, I believe, I believe Sue's jacket was actually from a staff member. Yeah. I mean, it, that's what I, that's, I think what I believe is that there might be one tiny kernel of truth to that, but, um, but generally speaking, I think this was designed. It's just that, uh, you know, but I, but I actually do have this, the sense that they believed it when they told it to interviewers, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because I think they, I think the amused staff was not completely straight up with the kids is basically what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause they did, they did have the same exact, uh, Moa and Yui had both the same exact skirts. It was just their tops that were different. Yeah. Um, and as you said, one had the tie, one had the, it doesn't really look like a brooch to me. It looks like, um, uh, uh what do they call those? Um, Oh no! Well, the I, word went out of my head. I, I absolutely do not stick by my choice of word because I, I I don't <laughs> have any idea what that is. It's just a thing that one kind of wears <laughs> on like the front of one shoulder. <laughs> it just looks like a very fanciful. Um, what do they wear those things on your wrist? And the guy wears a boot, like almost like a boutonniere, but just a fanciful, more, more fancy one. I guess. Yeah, there's some word for that that people talk about uh, when going to prom, <laughs> and I can't think. Maybe corsage. Yeah. Like it was a weird, yeah, it was a corset. That's what I was thinking of. But um, I don't know. It just, it's in my opinion on everything, obviously it's way back when, but I thought that thing was just a little too big and bulky for her. Oh yeah. But that's, really? but that's, I mean, that's the part of the point is that everything is kind of misfitting, right? Because it's just raided from the closet. Well, true. Yeah. But, but I mean, either way, they are still trying to go for the, kind of the gothic Lolita schoolgirl look um, in, in some senses, which they actually did transfer over into Headbanger way more. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they made that way more apparent that that's what the kind of look, the dark, like I said, the go- more dark, dark gothic Lolita look. Um, heavy makeup. And even the heavy makeup, the black eyeliner, the really high ponytail, um, the dark, the black and reds the more black than red and it took me a little bit of time to notice and a lot of people don't really like immediately notice with it but even still even uh yui and moa's outfits were still different mm-hmm. um i believe they had a uh what the uh, what did she call it? a cincher uh the thing around yeah. their waist uh, essentially um that one was turned front ways and one was turned back you know backwards on each of the girls and even the designs of their skirts were completely different too. Hmm. Um, but they still had the very gothic Lolita look with the, um, like the lace and the, with the black and the frillies and the high collar neck on Sue, which uh, that outfit in myself, I absolutely just love to death. Um, (laughs) to (laughs) death anyway. But, um, the, the, the thing that always kind of worried me, and I, I've thought about this for I've always thought about this for some of their earlier stuff that they've worn is like, especially in in the headbanger outfit is how warm were those girls perf- while performing in those outfits? Well, especially I would say more Sue than anybody, because bringing back up to the topic of learning with costumes when you put stuff together yes everything looks pretty and nice and it's made well and everything but something you have to consider especially if you are involved in uh, theater or stage or you know 
performance in music as in you know even Broadway has to consider this sort of stuff. Not as bit not as badly as it was back in the day a little bit, but um here more lately it's not as big of a deal. But when you're performing on a stage under really bright lights, you get warm really, really fast. <laughs> um so I always got really concerned about like I wondered how hot and like just, just uncomfortable Sue had to be in that jacket performing around because she was bopping around a little bit too, obviously. Do we know? Do we actually know if they used that in performance? Though? I mean, like if it, it wouldn't be as much of a concern if it were just you know one one day's you know video shoot. The head, well, the headbanger, the headbanger outfit they used for the shoot. Um, they used for um, another video. They used it for Uki Uki Midnight. Um, they used it for uh, Legend Eye, I believe. And they also used it for their first performance at uh, Summer Sonic or Ladder Life or something something along the, one of those festivals. They used the Headbanger outfit for multiple different times. But she wore, um, but you didn't wear a coat, did you? <laughs> That's what, yeah, she wore really? a coat. She wore a coat every single time. Huh. Just during she that song? That or the, or, I, for some reason, I don't feel like I recognize the coat she she wore the full entire full entire performance wow. okay i'll have to go look again <laughs> um but no she wore it for every performance so that i mean that's something you have to consider too is that if you are in her regards like she was wearing that jacket all the time you have to consider about the weight and the material that you're using you have to consider um you know how breathable it is because you have to think about the comfort of your performers too, which is like I said, I was just kind of taken aback that I, she didn't take that jacket no. off at all. Like you only ever see her with the coat on, with the coat on. Uh, she also take the picture with the um, no music, no idol setup as well. They they use that for that as well. Mm-hmm. So they were still, like I said, they were still going with the Gothic Lila look at that point, which then. I guess, yeah, true that Sakura Gakuin did perform in the jacket, so they did did have some practice with that. That's that's true. Yeah, not just a jacket, a, a jacket with a sweater vest and yeah. a long sleeve shirt. Yeah, and see, I so so perhaps they're yeah, they're used to like very high temperatures. <laughs> yeah, because they they were dancing around, jumping around with most of that stuff on too, or at least more more so later on down the road. I mean, I think it's important to mention just from comfort level where they grew up like mm-hmm. summer in japan is disgustingly warm and awful mm-hmm. you know but, but when you grow up and you're accustomed to being you know hot and awful you have a higher tolerance to it than probably what we're referencing in our own heads well, yeah, that's true. true that's i didn't really think about that i guess i was at one one time i was in tokyo it was like july and i just moved very slowly <laughs> it was just not possible to do anything more mm-hmm. than that yeah mm-hmm. It wasn't too bad the summer that I went there. Um, it was kind of slightly overcast, I think. If I remember correctly. It's been so long ago now at this point. Yeah, I guess, it, well, yeah, if, you, if you're accustomed to that sort of thing, I guess it doesn't bother you too much. But um, but still, I don't know. That's just a, something that is, I don't know, still you have to take in consideration. Like, that's just something you have to think on. Um as far as when you're designing things, which for the most part, for the first two outfits, um, for the Doki Doki Morning outfit and the Headbanger outfit, these are just items and stuff that you can just get from 
like you said, you can probably just get buy off of a store shelf and and just put it on and be done. Like I guarantee that Sue's shirt was just a Victorian shirt that was bought off somewhere. And the skirts, well, the the UEMOA skirts were probably, you know, they may have been custom made, but their tops and things, very kind of, very basic kind of easy sort of thing in development. Now, okay, now you said that Sue graduated in 2012, or no, 2013. Calendar year 2013, yeah. Calendar year 2013. It would have been basically a little bit, just a little bit after Legend Z. Okay. Right. So then the, yeah, so IDZ would have been released by that point then, or before that point then. Okay. So then it's just kind of funny to me because the first, so the first, so for the first two songs, they had the, the like I said, the very gothic Lolita look. Uh, and then all of a sudden with IDZ, they have the armor look, mm-hmm. <laughs> which then they pretty much proceed uh, to use or is this is the basis of the outfit from basically here on out almost i think i think idz actually comes before magitsune so that it's not yeah, quite it persistent but well yeah not persi- yeah in, in that regard i yeah so idz in and of itself the story behind that is well obviously we know that it is uh no more bullying forever you know, trying to fight against being bullied, essentially. So, like, I'm assuming, and like I said, a lot of this has to be assumptions because I never worked for them, sad face. But I'm assuming that's where they kind of got the story behind why they were using armor for that specific song. Because they used something we were discussing in the um, the AJ and Ally video, which is also highly amusing, because AJ and Ali is, I believe, a musical group. <laughs> is it? <laughs> um, I believe so. So I, when I wrote that down in my show notes, I was like, ha, that's funny. Um, but the the video that I did prior um, that they were discussing about what they get their ideas from, which wasn't necessarily just Japanese. It was also very much influenced outside of Japan as well. Um, mainly for the outfit, the IDZ outfit was very Romanesque. Um, they had the little, um, the little dress kind of fronts with the individual pieces. Um, that one had the, um, the bows. It was still considered as so cute. Um, but they had the, um, the little metal pieces all embossed onto it. Um, still very bright, shiny, uh, metal, uh, looking material. Uh, and then of course they had the tutus um, that went underneath it, albeit they weren't as pronounced, but they did have the tutus. So the IDZ armor is kind of like the said, the, kind of the precursor of of all the other outfits from here on out, um, or at least the thing with thing with whomever is part of their design team. And I honestly don't know if Copa is part of the design team. I, I mean, I'm assuming he has at least Almost some say certainly. in it. Almost certainly. My guess is his I- the armor was probably his idea. That's it's a possibility. Yeah. Um, 
But um, the cool thing about it is, is that they have from, well, from basically from this point on, from IDZ on, is that they borrowed an element of the prior year's costume to use in the current year's costume, which I think is kind of cool. I think it's kind of neat, kind of gives something to kind of base themselves off of. It's like, well, what element of this outfit worked really well? Okay, we're going to use it for this one, and then we're going to build it off of there. Um, I thought that was kind of a cool design feature, um, that they kind of kept with pretty much except for in the 2018 stuff that was totally different, but yeah, they, they, they took an element and then kept with a certain element for the duration, which was nice. I'm sure I'm probably made things a lot easier for them too. (laughs) So IDZ came out and then they had you know, Legend I, Legend D, Legend Z. Um, then they had what was called the Deathmatch Tour, which then they established Metal Resistance during that portion, I believe. Their story at that point was established, which was also, they were using it as like a thing to promote Megitsune. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking of, uh, with the armor, I was I was thinking that, um, you know, since it appeared with IDZ, I, I think that predated this... Uh, Metal resistance idea, so I think I think the armor there really was like ar- armor protecting against the bullies, basically. Uh, whereas, like the mm-hmm. armor later is really armor going off, you know, in defense of metal. <laughs> mm-hmm. But right, but I, well, maybe I mean, it's just continuous, like, sort of. Well, they did they did announce the Megatsune, um single after I after I believe Legend Z, um, and then they announced that they were doing the tour with the live backing band for change and then they like i said they did still use the um idz armor for that tour before megatsune um which then it was just kind of funny because then they reverted back into the uh kind of semi semi gothic lolita look with the with the ruffled neck and what they uh, what um ali had announced as as a peter pan neck uh line um, the frills, the bows at the top portion, and then the bottom portion, they reused the, the tutu, of course, um, red, red and black. Um, but then they had the, um, then they had the kimonos for the performance, which obviously is very Japanese. <laughs> I mean, that whole entire song is just, just reeks of just, this is all about Japan. <laughs> that was kind of the whole entire point in that. But, um, but um, so they th- then they went kind of still back into the semi-Victorian uh, look with that. But then once Megitsune's kind of time of them promoting it was over, they went right back into going for the armor. Yeah. Before we leave Megitsune, I, just, I guess I just wanted to talk a little bit about that because there, there is really no hint of armor there i mean there's there's i guess a sort no, of a microphone at one point but i mean like otherwise it's it is really just um it's just sort of regular costumes but uh but black you know i mean like frilly mm-hmm. and doll like mm-hmm. the other thing that was interesting about the kimonos too is that they're um they are so basic i mean like like they are undecorated completely they are just black and red mm. <laughs> yeah um, which is it almost makes them unusual, I think, because you know, they, because they are so simple. Um, but mm-hmm. the other thing I was thinking about too is that 
it's probably obvious actually, but uh, you know, it really does sort of seem like in the you know, I'm mostly going on the video of it, but I mean, like the uh, representation is essentially that the 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 simple black kimono, you know, um, is sort of like the view from the outside, and you know, with the kimono off and dancing around in the in the sort of black uh, black and red costume, that is more the view of the inside, and that's you know from the inside, and that's the that's kind of like the story of the song too, right? Well, true, yeah. So, so I think they you know they really are kind of using the costumes to get at both of those perspectives. Mm-hmm. Once again, telling a telling a story. Anyway, that was, that, I, I wanted to stick that in there before we moved moved away from it because I thought it was sort of interesting. No, that is very interesting. No, I'm heck, I'm still learning stuff. <laughs> this is great. No, this is awesome. This is this has been a perfect opportunity for me because, like I said, I'm not necessarily professional and I know some things, but sometimes you got to see stuff from other people's perspectives too. And you add that and that's what how you learn. That's how you grow. You take things from different people. You take them sometimes as your own. And that's how you grow. Yeah. So so back into the outfits in and of themselves, the fact in the matter that they used, they went ahead and started using the armor. They were finally getting themselves established. So like they basically... For three years, um, well, almost four, for eh, yeah, about three years, they were experimenting with their, with their, I guess you want to call it their brand. Um, which the thing is, is that that's always kind of nice because when you have the freedom to be able to experiment, it it makes it without like judgment. I guess it makes it really nice to be able to kind of like see what works, see what doesn't which is probably part of the, what they were thinking as well. Uh, you know, what's a good look for the girls, you know, how, with how old they are, um, you know, as far as, you know, their dancing and things, what's going to work well for them. Um, and you know, how are they performing? When are they performing? You know, and of course at this point now they've started doing, you know, festivals and performing outside and, so there's just a whole bunch of thought process that has to go into all these designs. So the the fact that they stuck with the the armor look is kind of cool because then they they've established their they've established their story, they established their background, their identity, I guess, and that they're you know taking this road down for the metal resistance, and it's a path that has been untrekked and that they're trekking it and you know fighting along the way and trying to survive and taking us down for the journey <laughs> i think one one thing that i that i do feel in the in the costumes though is that um that there is the comedy is still there i mean you know it's it's they're not they're not seriously just trying to make armor they're trying to make funny armor you know they've got um things mm-hmm. that look sort of like chain mail but are actually made of polka dots you know and and you know the the mm-hmm. the, the thing you know allegedly protective metal bits are just sort of like you know clearly little like flimsy cloth shiny things you know <laughs> right it's very yeah i mean you can't you can't I mean, so they could have gone. On, they could have gone in all serious on it, but but instead, what they're doing is they're they're continuing the joke, basically. You know, uh, mm. in a way. I mean, like, yeah, modify the idea to make it work for them. Yeah, but not just in a. I guess what I'm not just in a, a sort of functional way. You know, like make it make it work conceptually with them, uh, not just 
not just uh, you know be able to dance in it. Yeah, because it wouldn't wouldn't be much fun to dance in actual chainmail. I'm assuming. Uh, no, that is considerably <laughs> heavy and awful. awful, and you would you would have muscles the size of the new chick off of Encantano or that new Disney movie. You'd have some mass muscles. Yeah, that that stuff's not comfortable to move in real chainmail. No, mm. no, 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 no. Big fat no. <laughs> it is not comfortable at all. So I mean, yeah, just be able to. You know, take a concept and modify it to work for what you need it to work for. Like um, kind of using another example, because I've done stuff, you know, having to concept, you know, make an, make an idea of fish being on stage, but being played by live kids. It's like, how do, how do I make a seahorse? How do I make a how do I make a uh, a puffer fish? How do I make a octopus? You know how you know you have to kind of take an idea and then you know modify it to still be able to give the idea of what you're trying to get out, but also be very well stylized. Mm-hmm. Um, make it kind of make it your own sort of thing. Then basically, the example is of me trying to do. Um, the Little Mermaid Jr. I did do, uh, I was the head of costuming for that show um, at the local community theater. And, oh, buddy, that was some difficult stuff to have to deal with. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Doing it for, like, 30, I don't know how many kids were in that show? Like, 30-plus kids. And, of course, you had your Prince Eric, you had your Ariels. Had to come up with a design that wasn't too to overly sexualize, but to not, you know, trying to make it be mermaids without being too crazy over the top. Um, and also comfortable enough for them to dance in. Um, you know, so many, so many different things you have to kind of consider in, in that regard too. Um, but yeah, just taking, taking an idea and trying to reimagine stuff. It, that can be, that can be difficult. That can be very, very difficult. Um, but the armor thing, I obviously they did a very good job on that. Um, still very kind of the very punk metal look, but also still very much giving off that this is supposed to be look like armor. Like that is the that is the idea we are going for. We're supposed to be fighting. This is this is our uniform. This is us. <laughs> so it takes a lot of it takes a lot of creative definitely a lot of creative juices to be able to come up with i'm sure they probably had like a storyboard of different ideas so i'm sure that the idz outfit was not like the only one that they had in mind i'm sure they probably had some variations of different uh, design ideas that could have worked in that regard but the idz one obviously was the one that was picked so that's cool then they took did the whole entire 360 with megitsune and went back into using the tutus and the and the Victorian thing, but then went right back into um, they used the Megitsune outfits for Legend ninety nine, but then they went back right back into the very Gothic Lolita armor look for Legend ninety seven, which was Gimme Chocolate. Most people are familiar with with the the black all black with the sh- like armored shoulder pads. Um, in the in the kind of cinched front with the tie, um, with the string ties, and then the multi-tiered uh, red and black, black and red skirt because it was it was multiples. 
Um, so they were still trying to like work with the Lolita look a little bit then, but then that was Legend ninety seven, which was in the close. Well, that was end of two thousand thirteen, so that was right after Sue graduated. And then early 2014 was when the Budokan happened. And then that was when the new album was was announced and dropped and everything. So by that point, I think they were kind of done tinkering. And they finally were like, you know what? We're going to go with this armor look from here on out. That That is our identity. This is what we're doing. You're Man of Resistance. We're finding our way through. And here's our story. We finally have it. Here is Baby Metal. This is us. It's great. <laughs> they had three years to work on this. And then it turned out the way that we are all familiar with, which is great. And it, it's it's really cool because, like I said, they use the concepts of each the prior year's outfits to use for the next year's outfits. Um, I know that they were using the knee-high socks for a while. Um, then they took that away. They used tights instead. Um, obviously this tutu had stayed as a constant throughout the whole entire time from 2000, you know, from the, from IDZ time all the way up to 2017. Uh, they kept with the tutu idea cause you know, tutus are relatively cute. And then they set, kept with the stylized armor idea, but even then like through the 2014, 2017 era, even then it was kind of becoming a little bit more stylized, even, where it was kind of more minimalistic than it was before. And they just kept going with that, which was awesome. And the red faded and faded and faded. I mean, like that, that was another thing that was sort of interesting a lot as the, as the progression went on, um, it became less and less red to the point where like legend us, it was just not red at all. <laughs> it was all black and silver. It was kind of, kind of felt, now that I actually just kind of popped in my head, like that could have been seen like people sometimes use like, oh, death to my 20s. And they have like the 30 year old, like old, like death parties because death to my 20s or whatever. I had a friend who did that once. And it was actually <laughs> quite fun. We all wore morning outfits and she wore this like black like outfit and it was cool. And it was like, you know, black roses and coffins everywhere and stuff. So they might have even used that idea to say you know the death to her youth and that she was becoming an adult that that's not a not a bad idea <laughs> was there um like big fox festival was there red in that i think i think it was already big black fox by then festival um yeah uh, big fox festival was yeah because that was right before before 2017 so there was red in yui and moa's outfits but not in sue's sue's was strictly black and silver um that was the one that i had made uh for the 2018 stuff that was the one that had the v the front v with the huge like octagonal um gems in the center of it with the um the little um puffs puff sleeves um, that had the detachable sleeves with them, although they never really used the detachable sleeves too much in in the in the 2017 ones. But then they had the um, the tutu overlay with uh, the kind of shiny silver. Yeah, her outfit didn't have any, but um, Smoa's and Yui's had the red, 
I believe around the collar. Hmm. God, it's been so long. They have a little bit. They have a little bit in the in the hair scrunchies, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's really light. I mean, like if there's if there's any, it's very, it's very little. <laughs> yeah, there's there's very 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 little of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe then they were kind of using a story to kind of. I mean, like I said, we're making a lot of this is an, an, unfortunately an, an assumption because well, we don't none of us work for him, but from a costume design point, I, I guess with okay, so 2014 to 2017, like I said, they had their identity established. They apparently were still going through story now that we've you know we're talking this out now at this point that they may have been trying to kind of meld their way into doing the all black and silver because they knew they i mean obviously koba we were already aware that koba had the plan for the dark side uh idea for like eons so maybe they were trying to work towards that and then you know sue's birthday dark side happens you know she's now considered as a mature adult yeah and it definitely does seem like the uh uh if not you know regardless of any larger story the 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 sort of decrease in red went along with them getting like actually older. <laughs> mm-hmm. It did. So. Yeah. So with that, between the 2010 and 2017 years, the point, like I said, the kind of the whole entire point of talking about this is, is that there's, there's a lot that goes into this. There's, there's so much that goes into this. I mean, as far as all of us are concerned as being fans, you know, their outfits have done their jobs for uh, Doki Doki Morning and Ine. They had their fun adventure story. Um, Headbanger was like, okay, I'm growing into this. This is great. This is awesome. That's That was kind of the story of that. Like, I'm getting into this mode. IDZ, you know, the whole entire being bully thing. We're going to fight for you sort of stuff. Megatsune, we're growing up. We're older. You know, that's the kind of the story they were telling about because, I mean, you know, it's about womanhood and stuff. Technically, we can't say much about Gimme Chocolate because that was a whole entire like, oh, hey, here, we're going to put a video out about this this uh, performance that we did. And it just so happened to me that, hey, it became really super popular. So we can't really talk about Gimme Chocolate too much. And then obviously then they were like, hey, we've got a new album and this is great. But yeah, I mean, there's just, the you know, the costumes give a story. And as Paul had mentioned at the beginning of the show, it kind of hides who they are as a person, which has always been discussed that they always felt like they were acting and that, you know, Sumeru is different than Suzuka, you know, and, and all this stuff. So even even wearing a costume can get you into the mode of I'm being somebody different than who I am. Even as an act, well, I shouldn't say an actress, but I who someone who has been on the community theater stage, um, that is a very accurate statement. Uh, costumes can definitely make you feel, you know, like you are the person that you're, you know, supposed to be acting as. So it's just there's just so much in costuming. It's cool. It's an a costuming is an art. You're just instead of doing it with paints and pictures, you're doing it with materials. You're doing it with fabrics. One of the things that um, Allie had mentioned was like with the fabrics and stuff, 
it really does matter, not just in the whole comfort thing and everything, but to, you know, express the story and meaning, but even something so tiny as, um, like with the Budokan outfit, um, there was, um, what, what it's called like a peplum. It's, it's a, it's kind of like an overlay skirt to some degree. There's actually a split in it, in the middle of it between the two. So you could see the underside of the tutu, but I guess that's even in relation to, um, like the Japanese war outfits, because when you were riding on a horse, you wanted to make sure your armor was going to be able to split apart so you could actually sit comfortably in there. So they had it stylized to be like a Japanese war outfit as well for that show. And the like the shiny material that they had used um, was supposed to be representative of the like the shininess of the oil like up. Because they used a lot of like leather and metal and stuff too, but you had to use the the stuff on the leather and stuff and made it shiny as well. So even the choice of using like uh like something that didn't have a sheen on it to something that was super bright, um and and you know could when light bounces off of it, it's like who you know. Yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. That uh, like you know this idea that. Uh, essentially, the Budokan 2014 Sioux uh, outfit at least had had borrowed from actual, you know, like, you know practical considerations for riding horses. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was uh, that. I, that was something that, like I said um, in the in the other video that I did, uh, Ali had had pointed out to because she's she's like really into Japanese history. And so she was able to pull the context from that outfit into, oh, hey, here's this. This is what they were trying to get there. I was like, wow, this that's really cool. It would be interesting to kind of know like what the thought process was, because I mean, like it's, it's quite possible that that the thought that went into it isn't let's make it so that were Sue faced with a horse, she would be able to ride it. <laughs> but um, but rather, right. you know, like seeing the imagery of of, you know, armor from the time period it had this quality and whether you knew it was about horses or not you sort of knew that it had the split in it mm-hmm. yeah exactly um by the way how's it going kevin <laughs> hi hi i'm just sitting here learning okay. oh i'm sorry <laughs> no, i mean great. great great i'm glad that you're learning something i hope everyone else who's listening is learning as well i know i kind of yamble and ramble and do all this sort of stuff and it's it's kind of sort of going the way that i'm wanting it to but not exactly (laughs) um but uh it's just i I guess it's just using all this stuff as a sample and i i definitely kind of want to go through the 2018 stuff to present day uh ideas real quick but the whole entire thing of like i said i wanted people to kind of come around with is that costuming is more than just it looks pretty there's a lot of you know background just a ton of stuff that goes into into making a costume and then we present the product and it's like then the people see the product and they're like "Ooh, this is great because <laughs> baby metal is technically a product mm-hmm. so you know that's that's what i want people to come away with is, is an understanding and appreciation for the world of costuming in the eyes of baby metal i guess um so as i had said wanted to mention before oh um, before we go on to 2018, actually 2017, once again another um, another Maggie was very worried for Sue moment. Um, I did for um, Legend M, which was obviously afterwards. I did for Legend M make um, Moa's uh, Legend S outfit. 
um, which was super, super cool. Like she had like the tutu and stuff, but she had a um, like almost dragon scale overlay of the skirt. It was really neat. And um, it had the silver and the, um, I mean, it was obviously silver and black. It had, the, there was a piece of um, like a belt that kind of came across the chest uh, that attached to the one side that had the huge um, feathers on it, which were all black. Borrowing from an outfit that, well, has twice been replicated, the Budokan outfit from Sue's outfit and um, also Tokyo Dome because Tokyo Dome, she had the feather out as puffs as well. Um, like I said, just think it's so great that they keep using using old elements from, from other outfits. I just love it. Um, and then they have, of course, the shiny, the shiny um, sleeve as well, the, the very flowy sleeve. So, but initially I really wanted to do, I really wanted to do Sue's outfit because I was just like, oh, that thing's so great and wonderful. Um, but after, after the show, that outfit was displayed at, um, I believe it was Tower Records. I'm pretty sure they displayed just Sue's outfit. That girl was wearing velvet. <laughs> hmm. She was wearing velvet up and around her neck area. What does that mean? That mean? Well, I know what velvet is, but what? Why is that a moment? If it were socially acceptable. <laughs> well, it's velvet when you wear it. It's very warm. Like it's like uh, what is that stuff called? They they have it like the crushed velvet. Um, they always like back in like the nineties or so. They had those jumpsuits that had the crushed velvet. Well, that was always worn during the winter time because that stuff is warm. It is very 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 warm to wear. Um. And the matter of fact that they used it up and around her neck, she, I just, I just, I can't imagine her being comfortable in that outfit at all. Like, but the thing, well, and the thing about that is also too, I guess, and I've, I've, I failed to mention up to this point is in the construction of the outfit. And I've used this multiple times with the multiple baby metal outfits that I've done. Um, there is a material that they use as like the main base of the outfit, which is actually part of the reason why. I'm, I'm bet that's probably a little bit more breathable. If you look at the backs of the outfits from pretty much eh, 2014 onwards, um, they always have that just blank matte black back with the zipper up the top, mm-hmm. with the zipper in the back, right? Um, that material actually is like a stretch material. And depending on the type that you buy, it is actually extremely breathable. It is very, very comfortable to wear in any circumstance. It's almost like a, it's almost like a swimsuit material, but just slightly thicker. Um, they call it a two-way or a four-way. Just it depends on um, when. When I mean by that is if you take the material and you pull on it, sometimes you can pull it one way and not in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, four-way means that you can stretch it pretty much any direction that you want. But they've used some kind of stretchable, breathable material in the back. And I'm prob- I'm sure that that has probably helped out with the comfort levels of their outfits. Not so much the 2014 outfits up to like, yeah, I might say about maybe to 2000, well, probably 2017. But um, although they did use that continuing on, but that probably had helped out a lot. Like I said, material the material type that is used to breathe in which is the same kind of stuff that i used for the for the outfit that i made that i wore to rock on the range and a lot of people were asking like i said earlier 
you know, oh my gosh, you got to be uncomfortable. You got to be hot. You got to be sweating. I'm just like, no, I'm doing fine. That was because I used that type of material as the base and it made it really easy to kind of breathe in. And it actually helped me not sweat as much as well. Like it, mm-hmm. it kind of took the, took the, the moisture away from my skin. So I did have to kind of semi dry clean it a little bit. <laughs> it was, it was a little gross afterwards, but so that's just another, another thing to learn about is the, the material really does make a difference in things you're making. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that she wore uh, crushed velvet or velvet in general up and up, it just it just really bothered me because I was like she had to have been so uncomfortable, at least up and around the neck area for that. And like I said, the backs always had that breathable material back there that probably helped. But even then, it's just like still that added heat <laughs> under a lot of lights. Um, So quickly, because we're really running into time and i'm so sorry i tried to keep this short but i did not do such a thing <laughs> however before before we move on just to just to keep us from actually okay. getting anywhere um the, uh-huh. the velvet you mentioned i mean like uh, presumably that wasn't just um for fun i mean like uh, like it might have been kind of in order to keep the costume from rubbing against your neck or something right i mean like that that there would be some not, functional reason for it not n- not necessarily um Really not necessarily. I mean, velvet in and of itself for functionality is more for to keep somebody warm. Um, it's 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 heavy. Um, it, it's a very heavy material. A lot of obviously like cloaks and stuff. A lot of a lot of cloaks and like capes and things are made out of velvet, like the really high quality stuff. I mean, it, it, it as far as the design of the outfit in and of itself is concerned, um, if you look up close to it, there's a lot of contrasting materials that are in the outfit. Some of the stuff that I just, I couldn't even really pinpoint as to what exactly the material type that was used. But um, some people will do that just as a difference of contrast as well. They'll use something that's kind of thick and has like a sheen on it versus something that's completely uh, devoid of any kind of shininess whatsoever. A matte is what they call it. Um just oh, to just to get a contrast in it so okay so so it was it was actually visible from the outside it wasn't just a lining no it wasn't a lining no okay. it was a visible yeah the it's it's up in the um so she had that little bit of a neck piece right and it kind of curved around down just a tiny bit almost like it was supposed to be like an underlay but it wasn't it was all part of one outfit but that was from a distance you couldn't tell but up close it, it was it was it was velvet huh. okay so yeah but I, I don't really know the reasoning behind them using that specific, like why they would use velvet in that regard. I, I would be definitely the for probably the first question I would pose to any of the costumers if I ever ran into any of them. <laughs> be like, why did you do this? Like, was she okay? <laughs> um, so, I mean, but yeah, I mean, some people use different types of materials for more contrasting purposes than anything, not necessarily a functionality. So... That's really the only way I can answer that. <laughs> Actually, the, there's one other thing that I wanted to, before we leave Legend Us, um, it might be worth remarking on the, uh, I think it was the one costumes. <laughs> um, oh, those ones. The trash yes. bags? No. no. No, not the trash the, bags. The wicker chair The ones. goddess outfits. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 that one. <laughs> the goddess ones, which also was something I learned from Allie, and I keep referencing her because she's awesome. Um 
Something else I learned from Ellie was that apparently those are uh, reminiscent of very, um, which is odd, but very Asian, like has a tie backing to it. The design, I can't, um, I can't remember what exactly she said that those specifically were used for, but, um, but they definitely had a very, um, like a Thai um, design concept to them. I just wish I could be a bit more specific about it. I really wish I could. But so this does actually have some reference to like this. Yeah, the, this. there is there is actually a reference to to why they were wearing it. Um, as far as like the and honestly, I I just like the really sim- the simplicity of it. Um, just the really pretty the pretty gold um, front, which they had the shoulders, which the shoulders are always really cool. Yeah. I really like that. Um, I like that. I like everything, you know, <laughs> below the head <laughs> of that outfit, but, uh, I don't understand <laughs> the, w- the wicker crown. Yeah. That was also one thing too. This is like, they only, they only had so much time, time to be able to get out of their performance outfits and into these outfits now in the outfits in themselves they probably just unzip out put that thing on but it's the headpiece that gets me it's like how in the world did they stuff all that hair under that headpiece so that's what i want to know secrets of the backstage (laughs) but okay so to kind of kind of wrap things up um now we're into the point of their more uh, mature look into current days as far as the design concept of that is concerned, they tried, you know, obviously they were trying to go away from being um, into the, from the tutus up into something that looks a little bit more mature. Um, and obviously people wreck on the 2018 outfits so much, which is the ones where they had the, the kind of like battle crowns and their hairs were down. Um, they went back to kind of the, uh, the Roman, the Roman uh, skirt look and Actually, it looked that was probably the most like actual like battle armor look that they had. Like it looked like they were they were going off fighting some rugged stuff and they were into black and gold at, with that too. One thing that I thought was interesting about that is that that it's um unlike all of the prior armor, it's arguably no metal is involved. I mean, it looks like all leather. I mean, it may not it's, actually be yeah. leather, but I mean it, it has the look of leather armor. Right. Yeah. No, there's faux leather, obviously. Um, it's, it's a little bit thinner, um, to use. It's very lightweight. Um, and cause I, I did make this outfit too. Um, it, it's a very lightweight material, but there's like no rivets, no metal plates anywhere. It's, it's, it's really, no, it's un- unlike, no. Diff- it's like a different era armor. It's like, you know, elves and magic. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah, kind of a, a bit, yeah. It's, it, yeah, very kind of concept of that. I mean, it was, I mean, the 2018 concept was very kind of mystical in its own weird way, mm-hmm. I guess. It's like, ooh, we're going off to something that might exist in the future, da-da-da-da-da. But yeah, totally, like I said, they totally got rid of the, all the, the tutus and stuff, and you have to kind of think about what's going to look a bit more mature, uh, for your performance artist. <laughs> so then they started it on this and actually then now they've been building up from the 2018 outfit all the way up to what is currently today. Um, obviously after the 2018, uh, world tour stuff, they had, uh, the dark Knight carnival, um, oh, yeah. which, um, 
Yeah. <laughs> the the feathers in the hair, the hair completely pulled back. Um, wavy. The word is couture. <laughs> that is the word we're looking for in this. Um, that was also something pointed out to me that they, they used a lot of um, things that would not typically be used uh in normal everyday stuff which i mean that's kind of what the dark side was is like it's a whole entire new piece of media so kevin didn't when you were when you had been talking through this stuff didn't you i thought you had a an idea about how this the this was sort of like documenting steps along the way in the in the uh an actual sort of battle you know like and I'm wondering where Dark Knight Carnival falls in that, because <laughs> you were—I think you were mentioning that uh, once they got to Australia, it was all kind of burnt. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they—they they use that in Dark Knight Carnival. It's the same costume, uh-huh. right? The Australia tour and the Dark Knight Carnival costume. The way I interpreted it, and the way I think several of us, when we were talking about it, saw this as, you know, there there was like pipe cleaners going everywhere, <laughs> and the hair pulled back and just kind of disheveled and burned look. To me, it looked like. You know, they were taking the, as if you set the like tutu costume on fire and then dressed them in that, that's what this was. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Like the destruction of the old image as a transitory costume. Mm-hmm. Because the next time, you know, we see them after Dark Knight Carnival, they're they're back in a completely refreshed, modern, more adult look, mm-hmm. I guess. So, yeah, that was, that's my one contribution to costuming that I happen to notice throughout the years mm-hmm. that and how they were telling a story. Mm-hmm. And it does make sense. They do. Uh, maybe they both. Uh, but at least Sue has this. Um, it's something like a skirt, uh, except that it's just a mm-hmm. it's just a skeleton, basically. Um, mm-hmm. It looks right. kind of like a destroyed building. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or the, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, Maggie. But some skirts have like like metal wires in them to make them always poof oh, out. Right. Or yeah. Some sort mm-hmm. of structure to them, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah so you're what right. we're seeing. So what we're seeing on the on this particular costume is, you know, if you burned away all the fabric, all you would see is the framework right. for the tutu. That's very, that's very wise, <laughs> very smart. Uh, <laughs> yes, I like that. <laughs> like I said, I'm learning stuff too from this. But yeah, that yeah, Kevin, you're right, correct. That that's just yeah, the destruction of everything. The destruction of a lot of different stuff. My yeah. my heart. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, but um, but yeah, and then of course, but the thing is, is that they still kept with with that silhouette, mm-hmm. um, with the the kind of the more flatter skirt. They went back to having the peplums again, but they're on the side instead of fully in in full circle. Going back to having the um the kind of more armor look with this with obviously with metal galaxy it looks more space uh holographics and um gems that of course when the light hits it you know giving you multiple different colors of the rainbow um and back to having some lace in into their outfits and i i really kind of like the space look mm-hmm. i think it looks really nice um and then of course then they translated that into the um the 2020 anniversary outfits, which somebody made note of this and it really kind of agitated me that I didn't notice at first. The 2020 outfits is that the way that the skirt was designed, they added some kind of uh, like a underlay to it to make it stiffer and to make the skirts, the side skirt stick out more. And the, um, the shoulder pad pieces were a little bit more pointed upwards and more in a straighter V 
that the outfit made it look like an X was on them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm just like, I I can't. I still just I'm frustrated at the fact that I didn't think of it first, but somebody else pointed it out. I'm just like, that is brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> this great idea, and it, that's the kind of like the very minor things that. Like I said, with costuming, it's just the small details that make it where, yeah, the your audience may not necessarily notice it right offhand, but you try to kind of give that image to it. And if somebody notices it, great. If they don't, well, it still looks good. But I, Well, I think there's a difference between noticing it and subconsciously understanding what the message is like that it's very intentional to keep the silhouette as you've mentioned right uh-huh, exactly. and that's what the x in the structure is doing so even though you we see that for the first time you may not connect the dots in your brain uh-huh. but subconsciously you're you it's familiar mm-hmm, true yeah because i mean it is pretty much i mean the metal galaxy and the and the um well we'll just for shorthand call it budokan the budokan outfit um are primarily the, it's the, primarily the same outfit, just gold and structured mm-hmm. out a little, just a tiny bit stiffer to kind of give that X straight line from shoulder to skirt look. Mm-hmm. So one other thing about the, um, uh, I, I mean, I guess this actually was true from 2018, but, uh, they they lost all aspects of of puffiness you know like there's there's nothing nothing puffy mm-hmm. is left it's all draped at this point you know which is yeah. you know, i think that is a way to to signify the like change in age too like it's no longer a little maturity kid. yeah exactly i i kind of ran through that whole entire portion there real quick because i know we're kind of pushing time here and it's already kind of long but um like i said the whole entire takeaway of this whole entire thing was is that costuming is is a very much an art there's a lot more steps in it, a lot of steps that are involved in creation of a costume and that we have to appreciate everyone who is in the background of team baby metal because you know even though we don't see necessarily directly what they're doing they do a lot of work and even though we always talk about copa and stuff but you know it takes a village to be able to Raise a child is what they say. But yeah, I hope y'all learned something. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's very. It, it is very interesting. A lot of a lot of interesting ideas too. You know, hiding mm-hmm. in there. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think that's that's actually sort of true of the the whole enterprise. I mean, like I think we were talking a little bit uh, sort of offline about the all, the all of the production stuff that goes into lighting and all that other stuff. I mean, like like there's there's a, a ton of a ton of sort of unexplored. Uh, genius in there in this mm-hmm. in this exactly uh, this whole project mm-hmm. and costuming is just one of them exactly but it is one of them i mean it definitely is uh, uh mm-hmm. i mean it's an part. important it's very important yeah because like i said it's it's they they tell their story through their costumes for the most part i mean that that is actually how they tell their story is through their costume they don't have a whole lot of props and stuff i mean they did kind of sort of for some of their shows but for the most part, they do tell their stories through their through their outfits and their personas mm-hmm. as they take, you know, Sue Metal, Moa Metal, Yui Metal, the Avengers. Well, it's the whole image, right? Mm-hmm. And it has exactly. been since the beginning. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. After the music, that's the first thing you notice. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Yeah, they are pretty, they're pretty good at, you know, I mean, like you were saying about this, like borrowing a, an element from the prior iteration, um, you know, I think that is, that is essentially kind of like keeping, sticking to the message, keeping on the brand, you know, um, mm-hmm. that you want to, you want to have, you want to have space to play, but you want it to still be identifiable. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. It also actually mm-hmm. goes what you were just saying reminds me or you know connects in my head a little bit with um the idea of how the choreography works and how how the choreography tends to kind of tell the story that the lyrics are telling as well so it both of these things mm-hmm. together kind of make it more accessible to those who do not already speak Japanese mm-hmm. right yeah, and that's also a thing with i mean that's a totally different subject with choreography, but I know that's something that Mikiko mm-hmm. she always does hers does her choreography based on the the words and not the actual music or vice versa one of the two i can't remember it's yeah uh, it's it's largely the words which is why um the choreography to elevator girl english version makes no sense <laughs> yeah right because it's exactly the same as the normal choreography and the words don't mean anything like the same thing no they're <laughs> a little different so that is my education for today, and I hope y'all enjoyed it. Thank you. Class dismissed. Any further questions? <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Well, thanks. Yeah. Oh, first of all, great yeah, job. Thanks a lot. That was really oh, thanks. very well done, informative, um, well-timed, good way to occupy ourselves during the seal. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> Dragon Fairy wants to know if this will be on the test. Ah, <laughs> uh, No. <laughs> No, I just, like I said, I just really, in all honesty, just wanted to make sure that everyone took out of this a, an appreciation for for costuming, really. That's kind of, you know, that it's not just, I know I keep repeating myself, but it's not just, ooh, pretty, but there's a lot more involved in it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Oh. Yeah. Well, Okay. And that is it for this episode. Join us on the Baby Metal Podcast Discord to continue the conversation. Rating the podcast on whatever platform you listen on will help people find it. So please do that. We'll be back here in about two weeks or so, and we will hope you will join us. Until then, see you!